Z-A-G Podcast Show. And this episode is sponsored by Metro Cab Company. Before we go any further, please click the subscribe, follow, or favorite button. It depends on which format you are listening to this podcast, but this is how you get notifications for the latest episode. It's the Said G Podcast Show. I'm excited, I'm excited to be here with my family, family, family which is you, which is you, the audience. The audience. It's the Said G, G Podcast Show. Podcast show. Welcome to the Said G Podcast Show. Mad loves goes out to the audience. I want to thank you guys for checking out the show. The numbers are consistently growing. So salute to Detroit, Atlanta, Georgia, and Brooklyn, New York. I want to thank you for checking me out. I recently said I was going to start talking a little bit about myself on the show just to let you guys know a little bit more about me. You know, you guys been listening to me and I, I tell a, a talk about a, a range of things, but I want to talk a little bit more about myself on this episode. And to talk about me, I have to mention where it all started at, and that's my day one G's. It's two stories that's important to me, and that's day one G's and six mile. I will be coming back doing the episode on Six Mile soon, so I want y'all to check that out. It will be interesting. Um, this episode, I will be talking about my day one guys, the guys I started this journey with. It's beyond family. It's the Said G Podcast Show. Tell a friend. Welcome back to the Said G Podcast Show. Day one guys or day one G's. When I say day one G's, I, I, I literally mean going back to day one. We talk about sandbox type stuff. Ramon, Greek, Rod, Vito's are the names. Obviously, those are some alias names, um, but they know who they are. And many people that grew up around us, they know who these guys are. You know, that's where it all started. Started at, and a couple of these guys, like a few years younger than me. Um, so I met these guys. I think I was around maybe seven years old. So if a couple of them is younger than me by a few years, so. Somebody like Vito, he may have been about three years old. Somebody like Rai, he may have been about three or four years old. Greek, like maybe a year younger than me. And Ramon, he's probably probably a couple of years younger than me. He's more like my brother's age. I'm supposed to be doing a book. It's titled Six Mile, Surviving the Crack Era. Uh, because of the pandemic, I had to shut the project down, at least for now, because it's supposed to be an audio book. And 
once I look at the historical ramifications about where I come from and the hoods I was around and been in and grew up in, you know, I'm sort of considered a legend in those areas. You know, a lot of, I know a lot of information, um, a lot of stories rather, not information, but stories uh, when it comes to the hotbed of the streets during that time. And, you know, and that stuff, those stories have stood the test of time. And we sort of was around a lot of that stuff. So, and we familiar with a lot of the stories out there. And for me, um, I was actually born in Westland, Michigan, but I only stayed there like a couple of days as the stories go. My mom, my mother was actually traveling, so I was just born at that hospital. I was thoroughly born, raised in Detroit. Um, but it was a time I spent a, a brief moment, a brief time in New York City, Brooklyn to be exact, the Brooklyn borough. Uh, my sister was actually born in Brooklyn, but my mom was having kids by guys that was in Detroit. So for me, my story started on Manistique and Mac. You know, that's way back in the 70s. You know, we talking about Manistique. So you on way back. Um, we moved around to a couple of houses. We moved on East Lawn. We moved on a street called Pennsylvania. But we ended up on a street called Crane Street. And to me, that's where Cedric started at or began with because that stuff is still ingrained in us to this day. And you know, Crane Street was the east side, east side street. So uh, that's what we all met at. But when you look at the beginning, um, when you look at historical ramifications, because any scholar will tell you that it's a gap between the civil rights and black power movement, well, more of the civil rights era and hip hop, you know. So in between that time, we as a community was able to come together. We were all cool and it didn't have anything to do with black power or, or civil rights or, or oppression or racism. It was just like a family thing. So when we all met, that's what, that's what it was like. You know, everybody on that block, we were all family, you know. So it wasn't just like, I say to my day one G's, but it's a bunch of other people that's day one people. So all of us was on that block, on that Crane Street block. And um, it was more of a family thing that brought us all together. So, you know, these like my brothers or whatever. So I'm talking about from day one. So it's more people. They have an auntie named Lisa. She's definitely a part of the clique. Uh, you had the McClendons, uh, you had the Taylors, uh, the Lights. So we were all bunched up around in there. And then you had people that was on the next block, you know, um, on Fisher and Rones and just the whole uh, area. You know, we were all cool and, you know, we all went to the same elementary school. But technically, Ramon was the only one that actually was staying in that neighborhood because their grandmother lived on my block. So Greek... Rod and Vito, they was more like more or less coming over on the weekends. And later on down the line, Greek and um, Vito and his mom, and um, they, they moved over there on Crane Street. So pretty much Ramon was already around there, but the rest of the guys was coming over on the weekend. We just automatically, me and Greek automatically clicked. So it was like no second guessing that. We just automatically clicked like that. So, you know, when you're growing up in the neighborhood, most of the things you do, you're running around, you're being kids and you're playing sports. You're basically outside all day. 
you know, nowadays they don't do that because they got a lot of electronics and stuff like that. And then it's something, in some cases, it's dangerous to go outside, you know? So it is, it's just times have changed, but back then, so you had all of us over there. So it wasn't just like we just broke off into our own little clique. We was all kicking it together. And I went to Chandler Elementary School and I went to Barbara Middle School. So basically everybody on that block was walking to school together. I mean, we basically did everything together. We know everybody, know everybody, mamas. And like I said, it was uh, primarily their grandmother who made us click like that because we were all family. So, um, and Lisa was there too. So you can't forget about her. And we all got siblings. Of course, I got, two sisters and uh, one brother and Ramon he has two brothers and a sister Greek and Vito is brothers and Rod has a sister that shots out to Girona you know but all of them are first cousins um, their parents uh, were siblings so I'm not technically related to them so but all of them Ramon Greek Rod and Vito they were all actually related so and I, you know, I really don't want to go into their personalities and stuff like that. I let them tell their own stories of what the uh, type of personality uh, these guys actually had. But I can tell you, Vito, he wasn't the type that uh, they played with talking toys. In my opinion, he always wanted to hang out with older kids. He didn't really hang around kids his age. You know, he always wanted to know what the older kids was doing, you know. Uh, that's the thing about Vito. He always had this older person type of personality. I will say that. So um, that's what all began at over on Crane Street. And like I said, a bunch of us was walking to school together, walking to Chandler, walking to um, Barber Middle School, you know. And we all battled each other and stuff like that. It's way back in the day when you come outside, you buddies the next five minutes, you know. Nowadays, people just want to pull out a gun and just shoot, so. But I'm gonna come right back. We're gonna get more into the story, the day one G's. I wanna thank everyone that has been donating to my media studio fundraiser. I've received over 70 donations but it's a marathon and I will need a lot more. Donate to my media studio fundraiser today. Welcome back to the Said G Podcast Show. You all can follow me on Twitter at Mr. 911. That's M I S T A 911. Facebook at Said G Podcast. Instagram at Said G Pod. And subscribe to my YouTube page at Said G Podcast. These formats, you can catch the latest pictures, latest trailers, and my opinions on the stock market. Day 1 G's Ramon, Greek, Rod. Vito and said it's incredible where our lives are at at this present moment we've all been dislodged um, 
I haven't seen any, some of these guys, and I haven't seen Rod in maybe 20 years. I just recently just had a conversation with Greek. I just saw him. I haven't seen him in maybe 20 or more years. And Ramon, I haven't seen him in a bunch of years. So we've all dislodged and our life's in completely different directions. So we rarely, we rarely see each other and we rarely talk to each other. It's incredible. Um, but there's other people that was around, you know, like I said, we're just one big community over there, you know. Uh, you got Leon, he's doing natural life in prison right now. He was definitely around, part of the fam, you know. So I got a shout out to Leon, and I got a shout out to Lisa too. She was definitely um, around. So, you know, like I said, um, in the last segment, they were um, Greek. Ride and Vito was basically coming over on the weekends, but yet and still we still built up this relationship because I was, even though there would be other places, I still would be running store errands for the grandmother, Liz. Rest in peace to Liz, Grandma Liz. So uh, it put me even closer with that particular family. So um, then when Rod would come over on the weekends, he was working on the fruit truck. Everybody know him for working on the fruit truck. Uh, he would come over, you know, take me to the arcade. You know, he's younger than me now. You know, me, I'm broke. So he got a little job, so he would have money when he come over on the weekend. And every now and then, Gerona would come over there, you know, his sister. So we would go to the arcade. So me and Rod used to hang tough um, way back in the day. So uh, then when Greek would come over on the weekend, we started hanging tough. So and it got to the point where Greek and uh, Vito was actually living on Crane and we, he started going to Barbara. I don't think Greek actually went to Chandler, but I know he went to Barbara. So, and then me and him just started clicking from there on a personal level, just me and him, you know. So, and, um, you know, like everybody say, things started getting deep when, when the crack era came around. So, that stuff started coming around. And right before that, and we started getting your little clicks together um, on the street. You know, it got to a point where the kids from across Grasher, they started being aggressive towards us, you know. So they were basically out there on the streets already. They were into drugs and stuff like that. So that made the kids on our side mobilize more. So it was, it was a whole bunch of people that was around. And it's, um, I don't know where a lot of these guys from, where they at right now in their lives. I know some of them passed away. Some of them end up doing prison time or whatever the case may be. But it got to a point where Greek Greek and Vito, they really from the Camden, Eviston area. I know their grandfather had a house over there. So, and, and all their uncles and all that stuff, they were all over there. This is from his dad's side. This from John Senior's side. Um, and around in that area, they developed a clique called HBO. HBO. It was more like um, most people call that gangs nowadays. Um, well, I guess they've been calling it gangs, but they didn't call themselves gangs. It's something about that word gang that we really didn't use in Detroit. It's like a derogatory term in Detroit. So you won't hear a bunch of people calling themselves gang. They may call itself, themselves a clique or a crew or something like that, but they rarely use the term gang. When you think about gangs, to us, you may look at the Earl Flynn's or, or the BK's and, you know, and just to remind everybody, when we're talking about that Crane Street, like when you see like when people talk about the hood and stuff like that, 
like that hood type stuff. I mostly saw that around the Mac and Bewick area. We didn't see that on Crane Street, you know. And then when people say that we didn't have any OGs over us or nothing like that, so we definitely didn't have any old OGs. And the, the older people that was in what we would consider OG, they were working and I think one of them was a police officer, um, but they were working, they wasn't too much engaged with us like that, so. Um, but we didn't see like drug dealers, and then crack really wasn't hitting then, so you didn't have like the drug dealers. We didn't see pimps and stuff. The stuff you type of, would see around the Mac and Bewick area, you know. So, but yeah, when crack and all this stuff coming around, every, everything started changing. So we were already developing a little uh, crew or whatever to, to stand up against the across grasser kids, you know. Yeah, we actually got cool with them later on. Once we got our weight up in the streets and stuff like that, they started showing respect. And, you know, we actually got cool. There's people over there I got um, mad love for. Matter of fact, shouts out to the homegirl, Sal. I was just kicking it with Sal this past weekend. Uh, we had a barbecue. She came through or whatever. So uh, she found for sure. So me and Rod used to hang out with Sal, like, real tough at Kettering. So and Kettering helped a lot with that uh, cross grasser thing. There's a, there's a bunch of people over there that got cool with because of the high school Kettering, you know. So we finally made it up to Kettering and, and made it to um, middle school and all that. So when we got to Kettering, we, they started breaking off educationally wise. I don't think, I think by this time, Vito probably not going to school. Rob, he graduated, he stayed in school. Greek was definitely falling out of there. Ramon, you know, they started falling out. Eventually, I did too, later on though. So, you know, but all the time, Vito is constantly budding because he just want to be this big grown kid, you know. He was well beyond his age, but Greek was the one that was actually out on the streets. He was running around with HBO, so he knew a lot of that street stuff. So Greek sort of, sort of taught most of the people in that neighborhood street stuff, you know. He introduced people to other people, and he definitely gave me my pass out on the streets. So Greek was like, no, nah, this is my man right here, this is our brother. So he clicked me in with the HBO guys, even though I wasn't technically a HBO, but I still consider a lot of those guys my brothers. You know, I had mad love for a lot of the HBO guys. They embraced me with mad love, and I had mad love for them. So Greek was the one that was technically out there. But to break off into the streets, and um, I'm going through a lot of abuse in my own home, and they knew that, so they sort of embraced me because of that. So, and Greek was one of those people I can lean on my on his shoulder and tell him what's on my mind. You know, a confidant type. You know, he was the type if you didn't have it, he would take the shirt off his back and just give it to you. And that's the type of uh, person Greek was, you know. I wasn't no little fresh little kid or nothing like that, but whatever Greek had, he would give it to me. But So me and him broke off into the streets and we started working for Demetrius Holloway. That's what me and Greek was the one that was out on the streets actually indulging in the drug game and it's the street games by working for Demetrius Holloway. And for people that don't know about Demetrius Holloway, he's considered historically one of the biggest drug dealers in the history of Detroit. So that automatically put me around his circle. 
and a lot of people that was in, into his clique like that i actually grew up with them too so uh they were sort of related to greek and and ride and all these people so we were we still was all family so i'm sitting around and soaking up a lot of the information that was popping out on the streets at that time so and at that time you had demetrius holloway you had maserati rick you had the best friends out there, the Chambers brothers. It was just a whole host of people that was out there pushing a lot of drugs in the streets. But then at the same time, we just working, we just workers at that time. But by growing up around some of these people or knowing some of these people, we were allowed to sit around and soak up a lot of information because a lot of those workers that was working in those spots, that's all they did was work spots and left and went and did their thing. So you were just a worker. You wasn't hanging around the bosses and the lieutenants and all that stuff. All you did was work the spot and go back home or whatever your life was. So, but uh, this is CG Podcast Show. We're going to come back. We're going to talk about how deep this stuff got and we're going to talk about, I'm going to talk about, um, the kids and you know where we at now peace i'm excited about my new partnership with miss rashonda daniels of magnificent print out of mississippi magnificent print has agreed to help with some of the merchandising for my rewards program Orders are always on time and does an awesome job with printing. Thank you to Magnificent Print. I appreciate you. The audience is a big part of what I do here at CG Podcast Show, and I can't thank you guys enough. I always want to show you guys gratitude. So shouts out to San Jose, California. Los Angeles is jumping in. Nashville, Tennessee. Warren, Michigan. Orlando, Florida. Charlotte, North Carolina. Dallas, Texas. Phoenix, Arizona. Silver Spring, Maryland. Seattle, Washington. DC. And France still remain my biggest audience. So salute to you guys. I love you. Thank you. Welcome back to the Said G Podcast Show. Day one G's, day one guys, Ramon, Greek, Rod, Vito, and Said. They're my guys, though. I'm always going to love these guys, even though we so dislodged from each other. We, um, we don't talk to each other. Um, they just got other things going on in their life. We've all grown up. We've all got kids and grandkids and that type of thing, but it's just hard to believe, but it's a reality though. And I'm cool with it though. I'm, these guys are always gonna be in my heart and I, hopefully I will always be in their heart. Uh, like I said, man, you know, the streets and the drugs and stuff, that definitely affected people from Generation X and the Millennials. So, um, it definitely f- affected uh, the community in a major way. Um, most people call it chemical warfare. You know, there's stories out there like the freeway, Ricky Ross story, how they talked about how they pumped cocaine into our communities, you know. 
a matter of fact, cocaine and opioid, I did an episode on that. It's actually my all-time number two episode. You all can go back and check that one out. And all this ties into the six-mile stuff. Because the six-mile stuff, we all really implants over there. And we really brought a lot of game to that area. And I was just telling somebody earlier about the six-mile thing. Because six-mile had a life of its own. It was in its own world. So they really didn't deal too much with the east side politics. You know, it was just all everybody. We had our own style. We didn't follow the big name people or the big street name people. We didn't follow none of that stuff. But when you actually step, when I stepped outside that area, I definitely dealt with that. And Ramon, Greek, Rod, and Vito definitely is familiar with all that stuff. So it was just a different world when you're dealing with Six Mile. And I brought a lot of game to Six Mile, flat out, for sure. Legend, for sure. And so, and I think, in my opinion, it all changed. Um, one day, me and Ramon was in the house over there on Crane Street. By this time, Grandma Liz had passed away, and her husband, Jim, was staying, sort of staying there. You know, he was um, gradually just moving out, you know, which was Lisa's father. Um, but Lisa is known to be Lisa's house at this time. But we all crashing over there. And this particular day, me and Ramon was in the house. And Vito came in there. At this time, Vito probably was about, I think I was maybe like 19, and Vito maybe had been about 14 at this time. And like I said, he was always this guy that he wasn't the Tonka toy kid type. He was the type that wanted to hang around the older kids. And he was a playful guy, so he was the type of guy you had to chase down and bust him up right quick, you know. But he just wanted to be grown, and he walked in there, and he showed me my first time I ever saw a kilo of cocaine. A kilo of cocaine. And he was just, I didn't, we didn't believe him. So we sort of brushed it off or whatever. So he came back a couple of days later with another kilo. You know, this guy had two kilos of cocaine at 14 years old, you know. And to me, that's what changed everything. Even though me and Greek um, stepped out there first, as people in California call it, stepped off the porch, but we stepped out there first by working with Demetrius Holloway, and we wasn't selling cocaine, we were selling actually heroin. Uh, mixed jive, as they called it back then. Uh, but uh, by this time, Ramon was starting to dabble in the internet stuff too, but Vito came in, and he basically said, look, y'all playing with the streets, and I am the streets. And to me, that's what changed everything, everything. So, and Vito, now Vito, he balling, you know, he got bankroll, you know, he, he doing his thing right now, you know. Um, I'm not too much getting the, too much out of that. So that was his hustle. Uh, he had his little crew who he dealt with and all that stuff, even though I'm the brother and I was riding around with him and all that. So, um, but I eventually left the scene and that's when I went back to Denby High School. I'm a Kettering guy. I spent all my year at Kettering, which is in the city of Detroit, what high school, what school you went to. That's a very imp important element of that culture out there. So, uh, But by this time, my mother is staying on Six Mile. My grandfather had moved over there in the early 80s, and then she moved over there a few years later. So by this time, she's staying over there on, on the Grove, as we call it, or Cedar Grove, uh, as the... Um, my nephew and them generation call it Cheddar Grove, you know. And there was some indictments out on Cheddar Grove 
And you can actually Google that information and see how really deep they got with it. You know, that's why I tell my story and that's why I do these podcasts. And that's why I'm into intervention and prevention because we set a tone that then transcended generation. This is a fact. This is a fact. You know, we, we set a tone where it transcended generations and that's not a good thing. You know, we didn't know we were setting trends. We didn't know we was being um, looked upon by the younger people. We just didn't know. So, you know, so I went away and I went back to Denby High School and I only had like a year to do in high school. So I went back and did that year. And by this time, my sister had a baby. So I was doing a lot of babysitting too. But every now and then I was running into the guys from Crane Street, you know, every now and then they would have money. And I'm like, you know, they were looking out for me while I went to school, went away to school that year, you know, $50 here, a hundred there, you know, they'd come through and smoke some weed. They know I ain't making no money and I'm going to school, you know, then they start having cars and stuff, you know. So by the time I graduated high school, they balling, you know, I'm like, where in the world y'all getting this money from? You know, it's just like, it was seen to me like an overnight thing, you know, you know, where y'all getting all this stuff from, you know? And I, I went ahead and I joined that, you know what I'm saying? Not knowing what, what was really going on. That's how dirty the streets are, you know, because people are not going to tell you everything. So basically what's happening is everybody that you became a community with on that block, on the next block, we all walking to school together, we're in the same classes, all that's basically really finna come to an end because money and all that type of stuff and the politics of the street game finna come in between all that so yeah i went on enjoying that not knowing what was actually going on so you know and the first day the very first day this was the exact day when i graduated high school i went by this time they got an apartment they got an apartment so i went over there to the apartment and i actually stayed the night over there Vito. Back then, he had pages and stuff, so he paged me, and I called him back. And he had told me everything we had did in that apartment that night. I went to go use the bathroom at a certain time, and he told me what time I went to go use that bathroom. And I'm like, wow, you know, that showed how deep this stuff was, you know. <laughs> and I'm in the, in the same apartment with his cousin Ramon. We sitting in this apartment. This guy <laughs> sitting outside by the windowsill watching us through the blinds and listening to our conversation. That lets you know how deep this game was. So um, Vito just became on another level when, when he um, started stepping out there in a major way. So, you know, that changed everything. And I think, in my opinion, that... Uh, he put a lot of people on. Greek like introduced the streets to us, but Vito brought the streets to us. You know, so now you dealing with a lot of the politics that was going on. And then when you talking about generational cycles and stuff, like I said, uh, that first group that that was uh, really opened up the game. When you're talking about cocaine, because now you're not dealing with the Italian ways of how they doing stuff. Uh, Young Boys Incorporated, they were mostly known for heroin. You know, so when you look at that cocaine, you're talking about the Curry brothers in terms of the east side. You know, you're talking about white boy Rick, uh, the other people I named, Chambers brother and all that. So what happens is all of them get moved out the way. Then the next group come in, even though the best friends had a, another surge where they came back, where they were ruling over the streets. So, but when the next group came in, that's when Vito and all, he sort of fit in with that group at. So, 
he sort of not started knowing that who was doing what out on the streets. And it was a little story. Let me show you how Vito, <laughs> this guy right here is something else. This guy comes over my house, six o'clock in the dog on morning. I don't even know he even knew I was staying at. He comes over there with three carloads of guys beating on my door, six o'clock in the morning. I'm arguing with this door, this dude back and forth to the door. I got a nine millimeter in my pocket and they stand in front of my house strapped up. So knowing I know how Vito operate, I knew something wasn't right. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't hitting his points how he usually do. We were basically just talking back and forth. You know, then, you know, but from the, the noise or whatever, but the neighbors started coming outside, so they got in the car and left. So I goes, I leave out of town. I leave out of town. I go out of town for a couple of weeks. I'm not talking to the guys I'm actually working with. Mind you, we all grew up together, so I'm not talking to these guys. So by the time I talk back to these guys and I head back to, to Detroit, and I get off the Greyhound, guess who follow me? Vito. Within 10 minutes of me getting back in town, this guy is following me. So I, I say, man, I need a strap on me. And I knew I had a Mac 10, so I went over to one of my houses over on Six Mile. So I get over there to the Mac. I get back to the corner. Vito cuts me off at the corner. He done went and switched cars and picked up three more guys, and they met me at the corner. And I'm thinking I'm finna go out in the blazes. I'm like, Dad, this is my little brother. I gotta go through, I gotta do this, you know. So then I rolled down my window, so we just talked or whatever. And I ended up following them to one of their safe houses or whatever. And that he started telling me what was going on and why he came over my house that morning and stuff like that. But he always maintained that he loved me and my brother, he loved my siblings, all that. And um you know, Vito got really deep off into the game, like really seriously deep off into the game. You know, he started clicking up with people that was just on a major level. It was just, it took me a few years to even try to reach Vito's level. You know, he just outshined all of us, you know. So, and uh, he just built up a lot of fear uh, with people out on the streets, you know. And um, I remember him coming in the club one day and, uh, he wasn't even old enough to even get in that club. He probably was around 16 at this time. I, I'm about 20 something right now, so, but he came in there and I promise you so many people left out of that club because this guy was in that club. And uh, I knew one of the guys that left out of that club. And I asked him, why did you leave out of the club? We was about to turn up, you know? He was like, nah, Vito was in there, man. I got to get out of there, man. I don't want that thing, that dude think I got anything going on, you know? and. I took a picture of him with him that night. I can't find that picture. Somebody actually stole that picture that night when he came in that club, you know. But one day I got a call and, uh, you know, the last time I saw Vito, he was sort of paranoid. He was shaking. Uh, I think somebody had just got busted or something like that. Um, I don't want to mention any names and stuff. I let these people tell their own stories and stuff like that. But that was the last time I saw him. Then I got a call saying they had Fountain Back then, they had those dumpsters that used to be in the alley in Detroit. It's not those dumpsters they got nowadays where you pull them out to the street curb. So you had the, those dumpsters, those big dumpsters in the alley. So they found them in one of those. You know, he had passed away. Uh, you know, he was such a G to me. You know, I went and rented my own limousine to go to his funeral and stuff like that. So, you know, 
Uh, he passed away, so Greek lost his little brother. That's why I say this this stuff is not nothing to be bragging about. You know, we try to stop people from going that route. You know, it's, it's, it's insane that we think that we our minds are trained to think that showmanship is the pinnacle of success. Uh, we start thinking that street life is what life is all about, you know, and, and we all have lost so much when it comes to the street stuff. So that was a big blow uh, to Greek and the rest of us to lose Vito like that, you know what I'm saying? So, but he was a G like that for sure. He definitely put fear in people. So, you know, and I hope his story come out uh, one day. I hope Greek do his story one day, you know, it's just, uh, we want to save a life. So, you know, he passed away. But when all that stuff started going on, even though Greek was the one that stepped out, the Greek was sort of stepping back. For one, Greek was a very recognizable person. You know, he had an incident when he was a baby and he ended up getting a burn mark on his face, you know. And when the street stuff started really kicking up and, you know, he had his HBO thing going on, Greek sort of took on that boogeyman type role. So he would scare people just, you know, just his presence, you know. And they, they worked all that stuff to perfection, you know, putting that fear in people, you know. And that allowed me to run around in the streets and be... You know, sort of a butt cracking and antagonizing people. You know, I know when I got these guys on my back with my back. So, you know, when I go in the club, I'm I'm not thinking about your clique, you know. And they know I'm associated with Vito and, and all these people, you know. And all the time, Ride, he started coming up in the streets. He went, he, um, you never thought he would actually go that route because he was the one that was more into school, more than any any of us. You know, he actually went straight through the high school. But like many other people, you know, they graduated high school, they start running the streets. That's the most tempting thing. You know, that chemical warfare brought a lot of temptation to our community. And we all got trapped in that, you know. We all got trapped in that. So Rod started running around, he started messing around in the streets, he started indulging, you know, and people started recognizing him for street stuff, you know. And that that's that's another trap because you don't want to operate in life with people just looking at you like street guys, you know. So um uh, but me, I kept on rolling and stuff like that. Now, at this point, we all not hanging out. We not on Crane Street. I'm dislodged. Greek, he got um, hit a few times, you know, and um, I hope he come out with his story later. Man, shout out to Greek. And he started actually living out of town. Lisa moved out of town. Uh, Ramon ended up getting some prison time. He ended up doing some Fed time. I think he did like eight years in the Fed, you know. Uh, but Greek started living out of town and stuff like that. And um, Vito was gone, and Rod ended up doing some time too. So, and even though I I was around a bunch of um, drugs and stuff like that, and people started getting indicted and all that stuff, I never did prison time. So, you know, uh, to thank God for that. So, it's the CG podcast show. We talking about my day one guys. You know how. The street stuff got us all dislodged and how all our lives got turned upside down with all that. But I'm gonna come right back. We're gonna talk a little bit more about my day one G's. It's the said G podcast show.
Retro Cab Company is located at 2240 Dedrick Avenue, Memphis, Tennessee. They are looking for dedicated drivers who want to earn extra money. Uber and Lyft only increase the business, and their fares are virtually the same. Business is overwhelming right now, and they need to the help. Metro Cab Company is taking all safety measures as we deal with this pandemic. For more information on how to become an independent contractor with Metro Cab Company, just call 901-323-3333. Another socially conscious post from Mr. Chuck Young right here at Chuck's Corner. You got to do what you have to do before you can do what you want to do. It's called priorities. If you want to see any of Chuck Young's posts, you can catch him on Facebook. Listening to the soon to be number one show on Spotify and Google Podcasts, the CG Podcast Show. And this weekly stock tip is brought to you courtesy of Spencer Enterprise and Investors Group, or Siege for short, where our motto is don't reinvent the wheel, just reinvest. This is Dexter, and now the info you came for. This afternoon, I want to highlight a company I'm excited to be a shareholder of, and that's NCR Corporation, whose stock ticker is NCR, and they're headquartered right here in Atlanta, Georgia. The following segment will provide a very brief yet important analysis of why I love the stock. The number three reason why I love NCR's stock is the fact that NCR is an international business that will benefit from the world's fear of COVID-19 and future infectious disease concerns. With the impact that this will leave on everyday psyche for consumers, companies will want to acquire as many contactless kiosks and point-of-sale equipment as possible. Guess who happens to be the industry leader in that field? NCR, of course. The number four reason, NCR has a history of winners at the CEO position. Mike Hayford carries on that rich tradition as of 2018. He is a tremendous asset at the helm with vision and great business acumen. Leadership is very important when choosing a stock and NCR has the epitome of that leadership. Please remember to do the numbers yourselves. Again, you're listening to the CEDG Podcast Show. This is Dex. I am president of Spencer Enterprise and Investor Group, uh, better known as Siege. And again, do the numbers for yourselves, people. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Said G Podcast Show. Day one guys, Said, Ramon, Greek, Rod, Vito. That's where it's all started at. Like I said, we was one big community over there, but when it comes to, we sort of broke off when it was just us. You know, those guys are all actually related, but I'm, it's, it's incredible because their parents, I'm actually cool with both this side. We look at Greek and Vito, I'm cool with his mother and father's side. So shouts out to the Sutton family. I, I really love them to the fullest. You know, Rod, I know he, both his parents, Sissy and um, Butch. 
you know, I didn't really know Sissy's family like that. Um, but Ramon, I know his mother and father. His mother really looked out for me, you know, when I was running away from home and stuff like that. I would sneak in his closet and, and crash out because I just didn't want, I went through a lot of abuse uh, during my mother's marriage. And from that, it caused me to have PTSD. You know, so I did go through a lot of Bruce and that, and they family um, really looked out for me when I was running away and stuff like that. Mary, rest in peace to Mary, uh, rest in peace to John Sr. And shouts out again to the Hudson family and the Sutton family, definitely. Um, like I said, Vito passed away. Um, Ramon ended up doing some time. Greek had moved out of town. Rye ended up doing some time. You know, but I just kept rolling with the streets and stuff like that. So I, it, the streets just straight up burnt me out. So, you know, uh, another one of the homies from over there on Crane Street was off that block was Ralph. He's actually doing life in prison. I think I talked about Ralph on other episodes. That was like my one of my guys, you know. And like I said, he doing um life in prison. Another kid used to come over there was John Bay. We called him Bay. He used to, his grandmother actually lived on that block. It was either whether his grandmother or grandfather, one of them. Um, but they actually was on that block. So he was down there like on the weekends and stuff like that. So uh, Bay was definitely actually on that block. So it was a bunch of people in that neighborhood. And, and um, rest in peace to Andre. He got um, somebody killed him um, uh, in 2018. Uh, him and Michelle, they was over there on Burn Street. So shouts out, that was my guy. He was always looked up to me and showed me a lot of respect, you know. But dealing with these guys, you know, came up with a lot of game. And I used to bring that to the Six Mile area, you know. So, but the streets kept rolling on, you know. And a lot of, like I said, a lot of us got grown and started having kids. And um, Rod, he um, lost his son, Javon. So rest in peace to Javon. You know, a lot of they, they kids and stuff I haven't seen since they was kids. You know, via Vito started having kids at a, a young age. They had like five kids. You know, uh, Lil Vine, his son, uh, Lil Vine Jr., I haven't seen him since he's probably five years old. Um, Lil Michi, I haven't seen him since he was a lot of ba- uh, since he was like a baby and stuff like that. And they haven't seen my kids either, you know. But. I'm always going to love those guys. There's a lot of secrets among us that people should never know. I would never tell those secrets and stuff like that. You know, it's not nothing really nothing negative, like no murderous type stuff or whatever, you know. Even though that game they played with Vito and them, it was uh, a bunch of, it was a murders happened around in that game. That came along with that game. It's um, some information about him on the internet. The boogeyman is still really out on that story, but you probably can find him on there, you know. Um, I just looked at an article earlier that mentioned him, definitely, because they was just in some major stuff, you know, and they got us all involved in the major stuff because that other group is moved out the way. Now my, the people I'm around, they're the ones that's running the street. So it was a lot of drugs around and, and man, everywhere. Money was everywhere, you know. That's what I can say about that. But salute to those guys. Uh, I try to cover as much as possible. And I really approach this this story really carefully. I don't want to tell too much uh, of their stories. I feel like Greek should come out with a book or something, at least about his brother, you know. And I think um, 
we all got a story to tell. We was sitting around, uh, we was around when a lot of the major stuff was going on. So we definitely uh, was entrenched in that game out there on the streets and stuff. So, but again, you know, that affected us and um, it shouldn't be like that. So if I can stop somebody from going that route, if I can save a life, that's what I'm all about. It's the CNG Podcast Show, Day One G's.